With many people preaching and bragging about their use of psychedelics, I am on a mission to bring reverence and respect back to the plant medicine space. In this episode, I share more about my relationship with ayahuasca and get real about this sacred plant. Tune in and learn what constitutes a true Shipibo master plant dieta, the importance of doing your own work in a ceremonial space, what it's like to sit with plant medicine in the depths of the Amazon jungle, why you need to be cautious about the shamans that you choose to sit with, our society's relationship with labels and obsession with doing and how that's negatively affecting your well-being, and the importance of creating space in our daily lives. You'll also hear me speak on my experiences on Dieta in the Jungle. If you're feeling called to evolve and deepen your leadership, I invite you to join me for a one-on-one journey. This is a six-month journey where I will guide you through your own death and rebirth process. Through this process, you will cultivate a deep understanding of who you truly are so you can begin leading your life with intimacy and integrity. If you're ready to dive deep into your journey, apply today at rubyframon.com forward slash let's talk. And if you're feeling called to sit with Combo, head to rubyframon.com forward slash combo to request a private ceremony with me in Austin today. Just as a reminder, my book Potent Leadership is available on Amazon and Audible. I highly, highly recommend reading this book. If you are someone who considers yourself to be a leader, this is a must read. Just head to potentleadership.com and grab your book today. All those links and more will be in the show notes. Now, whether you're a loyal listener or you're brand new to this podcast, I am asking you to please take a moment to download a few episodes and drop a rating and review on iTunes and on Spotify. FYI, in order to rate on Spotify, you need to follow the podcast and listen to a few episodes first. Now buckle up fam, because I'm about to take you on a wild journey deep into the Amazon jungle of Peru. Beyond the narrative, underneath the veil of illusion, and deep within your center, therein lies potent truth. Welcome to Potent Truth, where today's leaders, changemakers, and light carriers come together to question the narrative, arrive at potent truth, and lead with sovereignty. What is potency? It's who you are beneath the masks, facades, and protective gear. It's the medicine humanity yearns for, cries out for, prays for, and needs. Your potency is what sets you apart, magnetizes your following, and creates movements. Join me, Ruby Fremon, for weekly guidance, channeled messages, and potent conversations that will take you on a journey of self-discovery. I am here to guide you to a place of unraveling the programming that's been keeping us stuck for generations, unlocking potent truth and expressing it through sovereign leadership. It's time for change. It's time for potent truth. Aho family and welcome back to another episode of Potent Truth. 
Today, I want to journey with you deep into the Amazon jungles of Peru. Now, for those of you who have been in my community for a long time, you know that I have a deep, deep relationship with plant medicines, specifically ayahuasca and combo. Combo is one that I serve. Ayahuasca is one that I am a student of. Now, there's a lot of hype around psychedelics and plant medicines in the personal and spiritual development space right now. And there's a lot of talk about it, a lot of rumors, a lot of myths, a lot of bypassing with the medicine work. So my intention for today's episode is to really clarify the deep reverence that is necessary to work with these types of medicines, as well as to support you, for those of you who are feeling called, in making aligned decisions with regards to who you choose to work with when working with these medicines. Because trust me, you do not want to sit with just anybody. And nowadays, there seems to be ayahuasca circles popping up in every corner of the world, which is even more reason to do your due diligence. So I want to start off by going back in time to 2018. In 2018, I was experiencing a lot of health issues that I didn't share publicly because quite frankly, I felt ashamed. So the health issues I was dealing with were mostly with my mental health, my emotional health, which of course impacted my spiritual well-being. With that, I was having some physical health issues as well. But at this point in time, I was already four years into my coaching business a warrior of personal development and personal growth. And so there was a part of me that was really confused as to why, why are my tools not working and not supporting me at this time? Something doesn't feel right. And I was working with a naturopath at that time and the diagnosis I was given was PMDD. I don't want to go into too many details about this, but if you want, you can Google it. Simply put, it is when hormones are giving the wrong signals to your brain during certain points in a woman's cycle. And when there's like this crossfire of messaging between the brain and the hormones, it wreaks havoc in the mental, emotional bodies. So I was experiencing extreme depression, extreme anxiety, anxiety attacks, suicidal thoughts for about two weeks out of every month. I was also experiencing brain fog, memory loss. I mean, I could be talking to someone and completely forget their name in the middle of the conversation. And it was progressively getting worse. I had noticed some of these symptoms before, but 2018 was when everything just hit the ceiling and I was done. The only answer for me in Western and Eastern medicine were things that I had already been doing with the exception of hormone supplements, which I didn't want to do. That's when I really considered answering the call to ayahuasca. Now, ayahuasca first came into my life in 2014, which is the year that I became sober. I became sober in November 2014 off of alcohol and drugs, and ayahuasca started appearing. I know for those of you who 
have been curious about plant medicines, you've heard many people say this before, like ayahuasca will just start showing up in your life when it's time. And she does. How she began showing up in my life in 2014 was I'd be randomly sent articles from my friends or I'd hear people that I know having conversations about this mysterious plant or I would see things online that would just pop up in my feed or somehow get into my inbox. So she was calling out to me and I was definitely curious in 2014. However, because I was newly sober, I was scared. I didn't want to enter into a relationship with any other sort of quote unquote substance that I could possibly become addicted to. So in 2018, when there seemingly wasn't anything that I could do to really support myself other than the things I was already doing that were not really working, I felt the call and I answered the call. Now I first started sitting with a group in Los Angeles that I was introduced to. And uh, let me tell you, (laughs) this was not real plant medicine. And in fact, it really aggravated the trauma that I had already stored up in my body. So they served quote unquote plant medicine in pill form. And basically everyone in the circle was doing a different combination of different things. There was no, it didn't feel sacred. It didn't feel safe. And the pills felt too much like the substances that I was addicted to in my past. So I ended up feeling super traumatized from that experience and vowed to never sit in that way again. Now, this type of quote unquote ceremony space is largely practiced in the US where they have different types of substances like MDMA, I keep wanting to say quote unquote ayahuasca because it's not really ayahuasca, Uh, psilocybin, things like that, that they combine together, sassafras, mistletoe, and they do like this layering with the different pills. To me, that is not a sacred space. That is not sitting with plant medicine. That is sitting with pills. That is a really quiet rave. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And my body knew immediately in that sit that this wasn't right for me. This was not the medicine that I was being called to. And so I continued to look. And then I started sitting with another group at the end of 2018. And this felt more along the lines of what I was searching for. It was real ayahuasca. The moment that she touched my lips, I felt a feeling of coming home of this familiar taste. The brew is bitter yet kind of tastes like molasses. She felt so familiar. However, this group that I was sitting with really wasn't great at holding space or clearing energies. So it was a really large group. We sat in a teepee in the Santa Monica mountains. There was a lot of energy moving in the space. There was a lot of people. We were almost elbow to elbow. And I didn't sleep that night. I was stuck in a loop that was very, very traumatizing and I didn't have any support, anyone to really support me in clearing a lot of that or processing a lot of that. So I ended up with 
slight PTSD after that, after that ceremony, um, which really felt crippling for a few weeks. There was also no real integration. And sadly, this is also the case for a lot of medicine circles in the US and Canada and other countries where the spaces aren't super tight containers. Because what you have to understand is when you sit with ayahuasca, you're entering the space of all realms where you're not just in this 3D realm, but all realms are now present. And as with our 3D realm, there are the shadow realms and the light realms. There's the good and there's the evil. There's the duality that is very present and the veils are very, very thin when you sit with ayahuasca. So it's crucial that you have the right people holding space for that, who are trained, who hold reverence to the medicine, understanding that she is extremely potent and more powerful than any human being, and that she deserves to be treated with respect, but also people who are familiar with how to effectively clear energy and clean the space while allowing the people sitting to do their own work. Now, these circles that I had been sitting in always felt a little off because people were either talking to each other, touching each other, trying to heal each other, which to me felt like a complete distraction from the actual work. Like here I am, I'm here to do my own work. And yet here's a bunch of people who are trying to heal each other, which I mean, in my point of view is just a way of distracting yourself from healing yourself and doing the work needed to work on your shadows and meet those things face to face. I continued to sit in that way uh, because that was, the, the medicine is what had me coming back. I I loved her. From the moment I tasted her, I was like, this is a relationship. It's a lifelong relationship that I am now in. And despite the PTSD from that first ceremony that is still to this day, has delivered some of the strongest, most potent lessons of my life. She helped me see a lot of patterns that I wasn't seeing at all that I was completely oblivious to. So I kept going back and I sat with her pretty frequently about um, seven more times before I decided to go to the jungle. During those seven other ceremony weekends is when I was also introduced to combo, which for those of you who don't know is a medicine that I serve. Now combo was shared to me in an ayahuasca ceremony. I remember sitting in that ceremony. I had already experienced combo twice on two separate occasions. And in ceremony, I was praying. My prayer was like, please, ayahuasca, tell me what it is that I need to do to heal. Help me heal. And all she said was combo three-day reset. And I was confused because at that point in time, I'd only tried combo twice. I wasn't super familiar with the process. So when we were in our integration circle, I asked one of the facilitators, okay, well, these are the words I heard, combo three-day reset. And they let me know, well, that's when you do three days back-to-back of combo. So I booked those sessions. And in the summer of 2019, I sat three days back-to-back with combo. And that, that experience is what healed my PMDD. And when I say healed, I mean healed. I was symptom free 
at right after those three days. And I have been symptom free since, which is huge because if you're a woman who's listening to this, who is familiar with PMDD or who has PMDD, you know how debilitating it is, how crippling it is and how hopeless you can feel because there aren't any quote unquote cures. But combo really supported me in resetting my nervous system and I've never felt better. So at that time is when I knew that I wanted to cultivate a deeper relationship with combo by serving the medicine. But I was also very early in my journey with plant medicines and I felt like I wanted to explore some more and do some more healing work on my own. So I continued sitting and I had a vision in one of my ceremonies that I would be in Peru in November of 2019. And I remember thinking to myself the next morning, like, how the hell am I going to get to Peru and do a diet in the Amazon jungle? I cannot picture myself doing this. I also have way too many clients. How am I going to fit this in? And a few months later, I ended up booking the trip with facilitators that I had never met before and flew to Peru, went deep into the Amazon jungle. And that was my first experience doing a dieta, but not only that, but sitting in the Shipibo way, which is far different than any other way of sitting with ayahuasca. Now, there are many cultures in South America that do sit with different versions of ayahuasca. Shipibo is just one of them. The Shipibo tribe are found along the Ukiali River in Peru, and they are traditionally a warrior tribe. So back in the day, they were the warriors, and they are very strong. They're fearless. They're they're full of joy, their culture, and they really live with the land, which blew me away. To be able to witness that and experience that firsthand was so amazing. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If I was just in the Amazon jungle, where I was staying on the Shipibo land for two weeks, no medicine involved, that in itself would have changed me. But now bring in the medicine and holy shit, it was like nothing I've ever experienced before. Now, that first trip to the Amazon in November 2019, I had never in my life done anything like this before. Like I had never up until this point ever even gone backpacking on my own. And here I was with my backpack. And when I say Amazon jungle, I don't mean like a fancy center in Ecotos or something like that. It was like flying to Lima, flying to a small port town called Pacalpa, and then taking a five-hour boat ride up the Ukiali River and going into the jungle. That's what I mean. Now I got there and I saw all the different Tombos. Tombos are like these structures, the little wooden structures with the thatched roofs that you stay in. And I remember seeing my tombo and seeing that there's nothing in it. There was one wooden chair, one wooden desk, and a moldy mattress in a corner. And that was what I was meant to sleep on with a mosquito net over me. It's bare bones. So the environment alone was extremely challenging and pushed me to my limits. I mean, the first few days, I cried every day because I didn't know what to do. 
Like how insane is that? I didn't know what to do with myself because literally there's nothing to do. It's all about being, being with yourself, being with the elements. Now, what is a Shipibo master plant dieta? So a Shipibo master plant dieta is when you do a series of ayahuasca ceremonies that are also paired with a master plant or master tree. Now in Shipibo culture, they have many different master plants and trees that are prescribed to you depending on what it is that you're seeking what it is that you're seeking support with, what it is that you're calling in. And at that point in time, I was prescribed by my maestro uh, to work with Bobinsana and Noya Rao. Now, Bobinsana is this like Dr. Seuss looking red flower that's all about self-love, self-compassion, opening your heart space, and a lot of womb healing. And Noya Rao is traditionally known as the tree of light. So if you've ever seen... Fern Gully or Avatar, the giant tree of light that actually exists. And the tree's sap is bioluminescent. So at night, the leaves glow and the floor around the tree where all the leaves have fallen, that glows. It's a very magical tree that is said to illuminate your shadows. So it can be both very confronting because it sheds a giant spotlight on all the things that you do not see. And it can also be equally, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, phenomenal because all of a sudden you're seeing everything through this lens of light, which is so, so beautiful. So that was my first dieta and my first experience in the Amazon jungle. Now, when you're on a dieta, we hear a lot about dietas when people sit in ayahuasca ceremonies, like a one-day ceremony or two-day ceremony over a weekend. That is not a real dieta. A real dieta is when you're abstaining from many, many things because what the Shipibo want you to do is to really clear your vessel so that you can cultivate a deep, deep relationship between you and the plants or trees that you're dieting. When you allow your body to break down in ways that it can only break down during dieta, you become really weak, which allows the plants and the trees to work on you in stronger, deeper ways. Now, the diet consists of abstaining from a lot of foods, so you can't have salt, spices, um, fried foods, oily foods, red meat. I mean, basically, you're just eating boiled vegetables, boiled potatoes, boiled lentils, boiled rice with nothing on them. And they do let you have some meat. So if they have chickens, they'll serve boiled chicken or fish from the river. The other thing is, is you want to limit your interaction with other people. So a, a true dieta, a Shipibo master plant dieta is done in isolation where they bring you your food and then you only come out for the ceremonies. However, where I go with my current maestro, Papa Gilberto Mawa, he's not as strict. So he allows some interactions. So it's really just up to you to limit the interactions and then they say, you know, consumption of information. You also want to limit that. So make sure that you're only digesting really good, informative books that aren't going to overwhelm or overload your system. 
or create too much emotional disruption. The other thing is, is that the the dieta, by working with the plants in this way, it can really help you unearth the root cause of a lot of things that are happening in your life or a lot of the physical ailments that you may be experiencing. So that's what a dieta is. And you're meant to follow these rules. Otherwise, it can really, it's like a bad omen, bad luck, and it can bring bad things into the diet. So that is um, what a dieta is. And my dieta with boba and sana and noyarao was very profound. But again, I could have had the most profound experience without the medicine because the environment alone was the most challenging thing I had ever experienced. I mean, rats and bats and spiders the size of your hand, like you're just living in the elements it was a lot for me at the time. And there's no electricity except for between 6 and 9 p.m. But if you turn on a light in your tombow, you're going to attract a million different bugs. And so you just keep the lights off and use candles. And sometimes the nights would be so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And the other thing with Shipibo sits, like when you're sitting in the traditional Shipibo way, you're sitting in the dark no candles, no lights, no anything. The first round is usually done in complete silence. And then the maestro, aka the shaman, um, they will begin to open the ceremony with ikaros. And this is another aspect of the Shipibo way that is very, very different from other types of ayahuasca cultures or circles. Now, ikaros is essentially a chant. However, it is a vocal technology created or downloaded to activate the plants within you. And when I say activate, I mean, the moment the ikados begins, you start to feel the medicine weaving through your body. And the maestro will also then later on chant to everyone in the space individually they have the power to really see things that you aren't even aware of. And Shipibo maestros, I mean, they start drinking around the age of 11. And our maestro is now 74, 75. And he's been drinking every other day or every day since. So they go through a lot with the medicine. And they really understand the technology. And they really learn how to see this is, again, why I always say be careful who you're sitting with because in the jungle, you don't just sit with people who trained for a day or 30 days and now they're serving medicine. It doesn't work that way. Ayahuasca deserves to be treated with deep respect and reverence because she is so, so powerful. And when you combine her with other master plants and teachers, it's like opening yourself up to these portals that you never knew existed. And so to have a trained master maestro or maestra who understands the power of the ikaros and has the ability to see and has been training their entire life for this, to hold space for this 
They know how to clear the energy because again, when you're navigating all these different realms in a ceremony, this opens up the entire ceremony space to other energies, good and bad, evil and good, dark and light. It all can come in. And so the maestro or maestro's job is to clear that energy and they do so through the ikaros. So with that being said, if you want to learn more about my previous dietas, then I recommend going to the podcast Modern Psychedelics and listen to episode 29. That's like one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And I talk all about that specific dieta. I want to move on to the diets that I did last year in 2022 during my break. (laughs) I'd only planned on doing one diet that year and it was the diet um, in May 2022. And I'd planned that I was going to go and then come back and relaunch my podcast, which I started to do. And then everything with Leia happened. And so I put the relaunch on hold. But that diet in May 2022, I had every intention to go back to the jungle and work with Papa Gilberto Mawa and diet Noidao again. I felt like I wanted to work with her some more. But once I landed in Peru, another tree started coming into my vision, and that is Ayuma. I met Ayuma in the jungle on my first trip and didn't really think about her since. And for some reason, as soon as my feet touched the ground in Peru, Ayuma came into my vision and I could feel her energy powerfully calling me in. And again, when you start to open yourself up to these realms, it becomes easier to follow the nudges and to understand that you are being called into something for a reason. So I trusted. I really didn't know anything about her other than she's this really tall, skinny tree, like a very strong, tall, tall, skinny tree over 100 feet high that grows these like cannonball-looking fruits that aren't edible, but they look like cannonballs. So it, she's also nicknamed the cannonball tree. And then she's got these beautiful pink and red flowers that grow. So I started asking about Ayuma and... What I was told is that she is an advanced shamanic tree for advanced dietados and not every maestro can actually deliver these types of diets because she's a very, very strong tree. However, Papa Gilberto Mawa is a master at these types of diets, so it was perfect. She has a very strong protective power. Um, She helps you release past trauma, stored emotions that are stuck in the body, helping you increase resilience, stamina, and strength, and energy. Um, She helps you cultivate and embody a deeper connection to all life on earth and enhances your psychic gifts, your gifts of sight, as well as fortifies the psychic energetic boundaries. Now, at that point in time, I was like, yeah, this all sounds good. Yes, sign me up. This is what I'm going to do. But at that point in time, I had no idea what was coming. I had no idea what was about to happen. Um, And so I'm really grateful that I was called to Ayuma. And again, it's like the plants and the trees just know. 
They really do. And this is why they call you in at certain times in your life. And this is why certain plant allies and trees call you in at different times in your life, because they know. Now, what I love the most about doing diets in the jungle, because of course I still sit and I'll drink here in the US in ceremony settings, but doing a dieta in the Amazon jungle with trained maestros, master maestros. I mean, Papa Gilberto Mawa is a master. He's known in the jungle as the maestro de maestros. He trains other maestros. He's well revered. His lineage, the Mawa lineage is written about in books and tons of stories. Very, very deep reverent medicine holder. But being in the jungle, doing a dieta in this way, Closing yourself off to the rest of the world while opening yourself up to the actual world and limiting what you put into your body. No salt, no sugar, no spices, not too many distractions, like really clearing your vessel and working with the plants in this deep way. It allows you to drop into your body, mind, and spirit at depths that you've never reached before. It also allows the medicine to work with you on the deepest, most profound depths. Being in the jungle also helps to regulate your nervous system and um, your sleep cycle because there's, again, like not the lights aren't on all the time. You don't have the distraction of noise other than the jungle noises, which by the way is really loud, um, but not the artificial light or the artificial noises. And so your nervous system begins to go through this massive reset um, and you become one with living with the earth, being so close to the earth. You're with yourself at all times with no distractions. And I think that is both the beauty and the toughest part about being in dieta. Now, after Leia went missing um, in June, after I returned from the jungle, from the Ayuma diet, I didn't imagine going back to the jungle. However, the opportunity came and I ended up going back in November to really just be with myself and, and do some healing and work with the plant energies again. And I decided to work with Ayuma again because of what I was going through and navigating it just felt like I was covered in darts and that my energetic and psychic boundaries were, were so depleted that I needed an opportunity to fortify them again so I could defend myself and have the resilience to get through this nightmare. So I went back to the jungle and every diet is different. Every diet presents within itself, its own challenges, its, its own insights, its own experience. And by this time, it was my third time going back into the jungle, working with Papa. And I just felt so happy, like instantly happy to be there. It was a beautiful homecoming and, you know, very different from my first time where it was such a shock to the system. This was so welcomed. And working with the medicine in this diet, I believe because my my whole system was so down from this experience with Leia, um, I was very malleable and very open. I was leaning in 
more than I've ever leaned in before. And I was just completely open to whatever it is that the plants wanted to offer me. So those ceremonies over those two weeks in the jungle were the deepest I have ever gone with the medicine. And at, you know, at this point, I had sat with the medicine over 40 times. And this was the deepest. I mean, completely in the other realms, in what I call the shadow space, which is like the shadow realm, the, the realm where the evil and the darkness exist. And it was scary for me many nights, but at the same time, it helped me remember just how resilient I am and reminded me that the light is actually always within me. So I gained the sight to finally see that I can go into these dark places and come back out because that used to always be my fear with ayahuasca is I'm going to go deep into the shadowlands and never come back. This dieta showed me I can go there and I'll come back because the light is always within me. Duality always exists. You can't have one without the other. And that was critically important for me to understand because my journey to find Leia felt like it was this deep, dark pit of hopelessness and that I was never going to get out. Plus, I had really been in this ultimate death cycle for about four years. So it just, it was nice to have that reminder, but to experience it in a visceral way, to know that it doesn't matter how dark things get. The light is always within me. Duality always exists. We cannot have darkness without light. I will get out. Let that also be a reminder to you. Now, some of the other insights that I gained through my dietas last year were the clarity in being. Now, I talk a lot about this. I write, I wrote a book on it, (laughs) being versus doing. But every time I've gone to the jungle, I am reminded that when doing fails, especially to create clarity, right? Like when we want to get clear in our life, we want to do all the things to create that clarity, yet clarity will always come when you're being Because when you're doing, you're actually cramming your space. You're getting rid of the spaciousness required for creativity to really breathe. So for me to be back in the jungle at that time, at such a crazy, hectic time in my life, it just reminded me that it's time to be. And through this beingness, the creativity will come the insights will drop in. I don't need to do a single fucking thing. Another insight was the insight and a huge reminder for me, discomfort with solitude. Now, as a projector in human design, I really do appreciate solitude and I enjoy solitude. However, with some of the traumas in my life, I also can use solitude as a way to back away from life. So it's really important for me as an individual to understand when the solitude is healthy and when the solitude is really just me backing away from life. Now the discomfort with solitude, and I get reminded of this all the time when I go to the jungle, because in the jungle, like I said, there's no distractions. But when you're by yourself, 
you're basically alone with your thoughts. You're alone with that voice inside your head, the voice inside your heart. And often the voice inside your head and the voice inside your heart are saying completely different things and you can hear them and it's super amplified. A lot of emotions come to the surface. A lot of bodily sensations from some of the traumas that have been stuck in the body come to the surface. And so there is a discomfort in the solitude that I have now, I don't want to say grown used to, but in the jungle have been able to experience at a much deeper level than I've ever been able to experience in my entire journey of personal growth. I also was reminded that discomfort often leads to distraction and think about this in your own life. When you feel uncomfortable, especially in solitude, we often do things to distract ourselves, whether it's like grabbing the phone, making yourself a snack, turning on the TV, cleaning the room that doesn't really need to be cleaned at this time, but you want to do it anyways. We distract ourselves when we find ourselves in discomfort. So it's really important to notice and observe those times and then ask yourself, well, what is it that I'm avoiding here? Because it's usually avoiding like a feeling or a beingness, a being with your thoughts, with your emotions. The other insight that was really huge for me, now we hear the term surrender so much in the personal spiritual development space. And honestly, it, it really used to piss me off. And then I started picturing surrendering as like, well, that's just me floating in water. And that kind of helped the process, but it still didn't feel tangible to me. Like it didn't feel visceral. It was hard for me to really surrender to things. And I remember in ceremony, the word allowing, 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 allowing. What do I allow? What will I surrender? Those two questions, they hit different to me. What will I surrender feels like, oh, fuck. Like, what else do I have to do to let go of? It doesn't feel good. But if I let myself say, what do I allow? That feels like an opening, a softening. And so to allow versus surrender, that was a huge insight. Now I'm very into allowing, which is great. Um, boundaries came up a lot, especially with Ayuma. Ayuma is very, very uh, strong <laughs> when it comes to boundaries. She will let you know in, a, in a, a way that you can't run away from. Like I will feel it in my gut, feel it in my throat chakra. I will feel it when a boundary has been crossed. So it was a really good, strong reminder for me to really honor these boundaries by either activating my voice and not being polite or not trying to just be polite, but really activating my voice in a way that honors my boundaries and um, to really just honor my boundaries with myself and my needs, especially during times of turmoil, which is, again, what I was going through at the time. Very, very important. The message that kept coming up in the November 2022 dieta, which I thought was so interesting because usually ayahuasca speaks to me and most people in very abstract ways because she doesn't communicate the same way we do. 
But this time she was communicating like a human and she just kept saying, stay in your own lane. The whole two weeks, stay in your own lane. Stay in your own lane, Ruby. Stay in your own lane. And at first I was super confused because I thought, is that my own mind telling me to do this? And sure enough, it became very apparent that no, this is the medicine telling me to stay in my own lane, which was a huge reminder for me because for my entire career in this personal development industry since 2014, yes, I've been doing this since 2014, I have never felt like I fit in. And I know some of you listening will resonate with this. Never did I ever feel like I fit in. And there was a part of me that didn't want to either. But then there's also the very human part of me that wants love and belonging. And that part of me would want to fit in. That part of me was still existing at this point in time when I am really here to work differently. I'm here to do work to serve the way that I serve best. For example, I'm not all about the scaling trend. For me, I want to scale in the opposite direction and have things feel more intimate, to work with people on deeper, more intimate levels. So the reminder to stay in my own lane (laughs) had me coming back and unfollowing everyone on Instagram. And I know like it's just Instagram, but it, it really serves as a reminder for me to just focus on my message, my service, my dharma. And then another insight that came up through my diets last year was the real beauty in creating space. Now, again, if you've been following me for a while, you know that over the past few years, really since I first sat with ayahuasca, I have been letting go of more. This is part of my death cycle and creating more space. But when you think about the plants and the trees, the roots need space to grow, right? If you try and grow a plant in a pot, eventually you're going to need to repot it because the roots have no more space to grow. Same as us. We need space to grow. We need space for our roots to flourish. So it's been really powerful to drop back in to that reminder, to drop back into the spaciousness, because during my journey to find Leia, uh, there wasn't a lot of space. And I felt like I was suffocating for a lot of that. So for me, what's super important is to always honor this sense of spaciousness in my life. That doesn't mean that I'm just floating and flowing through life. I fucking hate that. (laughs) As a double Virgo, I really like structure, but it means that I get to structure spaciousness into everything that I do, including my work and the way in which that I serve my clients. And then the final insight was really a reminder of my intention for 2022. Everyone likes to pick words The words are the intentions that we live by. And in 2022, my word was devotion. And honestly, from January to June up until Leia went missing, devotion was something that I was like living, breathing, being. And then everything just felt shit. And I forgot all about devotion. So this year I have brought that word back. And my word for 2023 is devotion to really be devoted to that which I hold great meaning to, to really be devoted to the people in my life that mean something to me and the ways in which I serve that mean something to me, to be devoted to 
my service, to my dharma, to my education, to my family, to my, my soul fam, and to really just let go of everything else. It's so important as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as, as anyone, as any human being to understand that which you are devoted to. Because when you understand what you are devoted to, you understand where your time goes, where your energy goes. It makes the decision-making process so much easier. So moving forward, how is this shifting or evolving my life? Well, I'm definitely honoring more spaciousness in all aspects of my life and business, deeper states of intimacy in my relationships, in my coaching containers, in my group containers, and much more facilitation in person. Because again, I, what makes me different, what I need to honor about myself is I don't, I'm not here to really like scale and be the person who serves one to a thousand people. That doesn't excite me. What excites me is having someone in front of me, being able to facilitate deep work where we can really get to root causes and help my clients, guide them into their own death and rebirth cycles. That feels really good. Um, I'm also, I mean, I feel like a lot of people think that I'm already pretty unapologetic. However, there are ways, like I admit I'm human. There are ways that I can honor my boundaries even more. So unapologetically honoring my boundaries, not apologizing for shit. That, And I don't mean like being a bitch or being rude or, or being unnecessarily mean. I mean, if I don't want to hang out with someone, just saying, you know what? I, I don't have the space and I'm good. Living with devotion is something that, as I mentioned, I've brought back into my life, treating every moment as ceremony, which is so important to me from brushing my teeth to making a meal to sitting in ceremony. Every moment, every experience, every interaction deserves to be treated with reverence and really honoring all that I am devoted to and letting go of the rest. Standing firmly in my truth, no bending for anyone. Now, as someone who wrote a book on potency, (laughs) you'd think, well, obviously that's something you're going to do. But again, I'm human and I have found myself in situations where I do bend. Um, So it's really now the time to honor my truth with a lot of love versus aggression versus firmness, but a softness. And then, of course, with the devotion, removing as many distractions as I possibly can. Like, I have never used the do not disturb feature on my phone. And now I am pretty addicted to it. (laughs) Like, I can go a whole day and just have my phone on DND. And it's been amazing. Um, And then the final thing moving forward is to really focus on creating and serving. So instead of my focus before, which was like creating, serving, and distracting, now, of course, I would never say I'm focused on distracting, but I was distracting myself a lot. It's just creating and serving. That's where I'm at with my dharma, with my business. Now, as I promised, I want to share, for those of you who are feeling called to sit with the medicine, just what to look for, how to find the right people to sit with, the right facilitators, the right spaces, Um, 
And also just so you know, you can't just go to any place in the Amazon jungle and expect similar experiences to what I've had. It's actually extremely dangerous, especially as a woman to go into the jungle and not know who you're going with. I do not recommend sitting at centers without a a bridge facilitator. And what I call the bridge facilitator is the person who works with, for example, in the Shipibo culture, works with the Shipibo tribe, the maestro, and can translate and has been apprenticing under that maestro or maestra for some time. The bridge person is really important because they're the ones who are going to do the intake forms and talk about the safety concerns, whereas a maestro or a maestro, they're not going to really talk about a lot of that. Plus, you're probably not going to understand them. Some of them only speak Shipibo. So it's important to do your due diligence. Now, for those of you seeking to sit here, <laughs> reverence for plant medicine is absolutely crucial. It's necessary. I deeply honor and respect the people who serve these medicines, whether it's ayahuasca or combo or other medicines with reverence. Like I deeply honor and respect those who really treat these medicines with the reverence that they deserve. Now, there's a lot of options for places to sit in plant medicine ceremonies, especially in metropolitan areas like Los Angeles or Austin. Because plant medicine is really making its way throughout the world, especially ayahuasca, because she senses what's going on in the world. She is an intelligent being and she senses what's happening in the world and she knows that she can support. And so she's reaching out. Her roots are reaching out. Her branches are reaching out and weaving their way into the world. But that doesn't mean that those who serve the medicine are doing so with reverence, with respect. You have to experience that calling. Like a lot of people will ask me, well, how do you, how do I know if I'm ready? You wouldn't be asking that question if you weren't. When you're ready, you'll know. And you can be ready and scared at the same time, but you'll know you're being called in at a specific time. You will feel it. You will notice it. You will know it. It's also important to understand that it's not a magic button. Like in 2018, when I was called to the medicine, I wasn't looking to the medicine for the answer. I was actually looking to her to help me see what I wasn't seeing. Because as I've shared many times, I believe every physical dis-ease is caused by a mental or emotional or spiritual dis-ease. And I really just needed some help to illuminate what I wasn't seeing. I wasn't seeking a magic button. It's really important not to go into this work seeking a magic button because that renders you powerless and you start to bypass the things that you need to do and who you need to be in order to heal, right? It's just like people who take a ton of pharmaceuticals as an attempt to heal everything, even though every single pharmaceutical has its own side effect, which creates this avalanche of shit, right? Plant medicine, I feel, is being treated in this way a lot now, especially in the bigger metropolitan cities where there's like a plant medicine ceremony happening every weekend. People are just going from ceremony to ceremony to ceremony to ceremony, trying to get the downloads, trying to get the healing, trying to get all the things without really fully integrating this work into their life. 
So when it comes to finding a maestro, maestro, or shaman to work with, these are the red flags that you need to look out for. If there is no application form, no vetting call, no qualifying call, that is a big red flag. If there is no health intake, whether it's done on a form or verbally, that is a big red flag. And by health intake, I mean actually asking you about your health history, what medications or vitamins you're taking, supplements, anything like that. These are questions that need to be asked because there are contraindications. If there's no pre-diet or post-diet explanation or explanation of how the plants work, that's a red flag. Like they should be educating everyone who sits with them on how this works and, and how to really journey with this medicine. If the person facilitating, and this is the one that really, really irks me, but if the person facilitating has minimal personal experience with plant medicine and they are serving because they have done either a 30-day training in the Amazon jungle or a three-month training in the Amazon jungle. And yes, there are so many of these training centers popping up. It's fucking ridiculous. Or they've sat with the medicine a few times and decided, oh, well, I'm going to just start buying the medicine and serving it because I can totally do this. Huge red flag. Okay. I have, sir, I have sat with the medicine over 40 times now, and I'm nowhere even close to wanting to serve because I've seen what it's like and experienced what it's like to truly serve with reverence. And that requires a very deep, long relationship with the medicine. And if you're going to serve in the Shipibo way, a real understanding of the vocal technology, the Ikaros, how to really clear space. Another red flag is that there's, they don't have permission to serve. Now, a lot of people will say they have permission. They got the certificate or the person who trained them gave them permission, but then who gave the person who trained them permission? Where does that come from? So really ask them how they were trained, who they're apprenticing under, do they have permission to serve, from what lineage, etc. The other thing I want to emphasize, I said this earlier, pills are not plants. And yes, there are like powdered forms of ayahuasca. Trust me, I have seen it. That is not plant medicine. Okay. So ask questions about the medicine that is being served. Ask them where they source the medicine. Ask them if they know its makers because you can go online and buy the medicine and not know where it's coming from. Now to make ayahuasca, it involves a lot of hours and a lot of prayers and so you don't want the wrong people making the medicine because that actually um, charges the medicine with that energy. So ask them, where do you source the medicine? Who do you source it from? Do you know them personally? And if they're not open to sharing where or from whom they obtain the medicine, that's a red flag. So all in all, my take on plant medicine it can be a very slippery slope for people who are moving towards it as a magic button or even as a form of escapism. The medicine is not meant to be worked with in that way. Any of the medicines, combo included, the medicines are meant to be worked with 
in a space of ceremony and reverence with the deep understanding that you are doing this work together. So if you're sitting with ayahuasca, ayahuasca and you are doing the work together. Integration is also a massive component to this work. The ceremony doesn't end that evening when they say the ceremony is closed. The ceremony continues into the post-ceremony, which is the integration. And that integration is completely up to you. And this is the part that many people skip, is the integration, the being with it all, the, the application of the lessons into your life, the actual changes that you have the power to create from the insights that you gained in the ceremony. So if you're feeling called to work with the plants in this way, please do your due diligence. Please do your research. Please ask a lot of questions and know that this is a symbiotic relationship. This is not somewhere you go to be healed, to be saved. This is somewhere you go to be, to work, to devote yourself to your healing and your growth. As for me, my journey with the plants continue. I am feeling even more deeply called to continue to deepen my relationship with the plants, to deepen the way I serve combo in my space, and um, to just continue this life in relationship with the plants, in relationship with the earth, because I am such a firm believer that everything we need to heal is within us and within the earth in its natural form. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Potent Truth, where I am taking you on a journey to challenge illusion and lead with sovereignty. If you're feeling called to evolve and deepen your leadership, I invite you to join me for a one-on-one journey. This is a six-month journey where I will guide you through your own death and rebirth process. Through this process, you will cultivate a deep understanding of who you truly are so you can begin leading your life with intimacy and integrity. If you're ready to dive deep into your journey, apply today at rubyframon.com forward slash let's talk. Now, if you're feeling called to sit with combo, head to www.rubyframon.com forward slash combo to request a private ceremony with me in Austin today. And of course, if you have yet to grab a copy of my book, Potent Leadership, just head to potentleadership.com and grab yours today. You can also download Potent Leadership on Audible. All those links and more will be in the show notes. Please, please, please be sure to download a few episodes and drop a rating and review on iTunes. This helps get the podcast out to more people around the world. And of course, connect with me on social media. My handle is at I am Ruby on all the platforms. And if you want something a little more intimate, just text hashtag potent truth to 1781-336-0160 to start receiving weekly potent reminders and text directly with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of the potent truth movement. Be sure to check back next Monday for a brand new episode of Potent Truth. Aho, leaders.